But what I've actually found, like now that we're a few months in, is that a lot of these tests hit on numerous outcomes anyway. And so it's actually easier to do something as a whole class than it was previously. And uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of success for some of my students that maybe are not as strong in math. They have been finding ways to tackle these complex problems and then even just watching my students today one another, we speak with janelle fort mueller a grade five six teacher from alberta janelle shares insights key learnings and all kinds of lesson design goodness and planning from her math class janelle shares her transformation from a teacher who pre-taught all strategies and algorithms to a confident flexible teacher who engages her students in problem solving every day this is another Another Math Mentoring Moment episode where we talk with a member of the Make Math Moments community, just like you, who's working through common math class struggles or problems of practice. And together, we try to brainstorm some possible next steps and strategies to overcome them. But today, we're actually going to talk about a bit of like a pre-transformation and where she is now and continuing to do some learning after she's dug into a bunch of awesome, awesome math professional development. Before we dive in here, have you submitted a math class pebble in your shoe? Be sure to share a couple sentences with us over at makemathmoments.com forward slash mentor so we can bring you real soon. All right, my friends, let's hit it. Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. We are two math teachers from MakeMathMoments.com. And together with you, the community of math moment makers worldwide who want to build and deliver math lessons that spark curiosity, fuel sense making, and ignite your teacher moves. Well, my friends, we are diving into another math mentoring moment episode and actually it's a bit of a like before after transformation session because we've had the honor of getting to do some learning alongside Janelle. So today we're going to hear about some of the things she was struggling with before she had engaged in some professional learning, including our online workshop and where she is now, how her students are feeling and what she's working on next. Yeah, it was great to chat with her about some of the pre-struggle some of the struggles that she had while she was working out some of the key moves to get where she wanted to go and also see where she is now. So this transformation is amazing. And from her own words, you're going to hear about confidence, flexibility, problem solving. We can't wait to share this one with you because I think you are going to get a lot out of her transformation while you're on your transformation. All right, Kyle, let's get to it. All right, here we go. Hey there, Janelle. Thanks for joining Kyle and I here on the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. We are excited to have you here. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Thanks. Awesome stuff. Well, you know what? The Math Moment Maker community, they're already waiting and with bated breath wondering, who is Janelle? Where are you coming to us from tonight? Tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe even a little bit of your teaching backstory. 
So my name is Janelle Fortmuller, and I'm a grade five, six teacher at Banded Peak School, which is in Bragg Creek, Alberta. It's this little gem in the middle of the woods. It's a wonderful school to work at. I've been teaching for just over 10 years now with a couple mat leaves slotted in there. Mainly taught middle school, usually math and science. In the last few years, I've been more of a generalist, which has been a lovely change. And I did spend one year with our division office working as a design for learning specialist, which was an incredible opportunity to work with teachers from all over our division, designing innovative projects and yeah, just getting to know know more of the teachers around our division. So that was a very cool opportunity. Awesome stuff there. You know, if you've listened to episodes before, then we always ask our guests to share a math moment. So when we say math moment, what pops into your mind? You can stretch back to when you were a student. Usually this is what gets shared. It's like something that has stuck with you all these years that when we say math class, this is like what rings bells for you. What would be your math moment, Janelle? Well, I'd say my K-12 experience with math wasn't super memorable. I wasn't a great math student. I wasn't a horrible math student. I think that kind of sticks out in my mind because I don't really remember much about math. K-12, whereas there are a lot of other classes that I have memorable projects that stick out or different experiences that I can think back to. So that's kind of memorable on its own. And then I think the big one for my teaching career. I just got my very first full-time job with our division and my principal contacted me during the summer and asked me to take part in this week-long math professional development. And it was actually a Marilyn Burns course, which at the time I had no idea who Marilyn Burns was, but I was really inspired going to that course and learning about what math class could look like and seeing that it was very different from the experience I had growing up. So that kind of pushed me to want to do things a little bit differently when it came to teaching math myself. I love it. And it's interesting because I think there are a lot of people out there, we hear kind of all ends of the spectrum and somewhere in between. It sounds like you sort of land in between where it wasn't. Some people have a bad memory. Some people have like this really positive memory, but there's also a group of people that it's almost like your memory is like, eh, there wasn't a whole lot going on there, right? And I mean, I'm assuming here, now we know that you've done this Marilyn Burns course. You've also taken part in our online workshop. So there's obviously, you've got this ambition, this spark in you in order to kind of push your own teaching practice forward, be it pedagogically or maybe the content knowledge side. I guess what's inspiring you is that sort of Maybe is melancholy the right word for your K to 12? Mediocre. Your mediocre (laughs) math experience in K to 12. Like, does that fuel your fire for learning about math and doing it differently than maybe you remember? Or what are you thinking when it comes back to that? Like, when you reflect on why you're doing the work you're doing? Yeah, I definitely think it ties to that. I got into teaching because I have a passion for learning and I want to foster a passion for learning with my students. And Math is one of those areas where I like, even for myself, personally, I've had to kind of push to get excited about math. It wasn't something that I cared to learn very much. I knew it was important. I knew I was going to use aspects of it later in my life, but it wasn't something I was really excited about. And I think when I started teaching, I decided that it was important to me to try to foster that love of math in my students that I never really had. And it was through experiences like 
the Marilyn Burns workshop, and then most recently through the Math Moments workshop, those types of opportunities where I get really excited about math. And so then I really feel like it's important for me to try to inspire that excitement in my students. Would you be able to like paint us a picture? I'm always curious and listeners who probably have listened to many episodes know that we kind of like to dive back into not only motivations for that kind of learning, but also like what did Janelle's teaching look like, say before taking some of these professional development workshops. Like you mentioned and Kyle mentioned that you took ours in the summer. I'm curious, like two things, I guess, like what did Janelle's class look like before taking that class, but also like what sparked you to like, oh, I got to take this plunge and jump into our particular workshop. It was like, what's happening before that? Like, what does those lessons look like? And then it's like, why did you kind of go down that road to say, hey, I got to make some changes here? Yeah, great question. So I've always been kind of dabbling in different things. I've always tried to incorporate projects into math. I've done the three-act math tasks. And I'd say most recently when I started in Bragg Creek and I became a generalist. So I got to know my students really well. And I'm teaching a five, six split. So I'm having to do grade five and grade six math at the same time. So there's this other layer of complexity there. And previous to this summer to taking your course, I was doing the odd three act math task and the odd project, but it just, everything felt kind of disconnected. And I wanted to be more purposeful in, in my planning and integrating these meaningful problems and projects and things. And so when I came across your, I've been following both of you for a while. And when I came across your workshop, I thought this was a good opportunity for me to purposefully sit down in the summer and plan out what my year was going to look like with the help of your workshop to help inspire what those lessons and units would look like. Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here. And I've got just a quick message specifically for our district-level mathematics decision-makers out there. Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district-level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12? Setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. Very cool. And I'm super excited that I feel like a lot of people who come and join us on this journey, we all relate because John and I felt the exact same way for many years. At the time, we were trying our best, right, to engage our students, get them to lean in. And a lot of times we just felt like we were still kind of coming up short and we couldn't quite figure out why. I'm wondering, like, what are some of the things that maybe are different now in how you actually go about planning a lesson? Like, is there anything that you're thinking about differently? Because I know for me, 
before we started really digging in, it was like, I looked for anything to engage. And that was sort of like my magnet. What got you into those three act things? Like, was it the engagement piece? And then I guess what's maybe different now that you've kind of dug in and you're kind of working on shifting to more of that intentional and that purposeful lesson delivery, like you suggested here? Yeah, I really liked using the three act math tests. And I was always looking for different ways to engage my students. And I loved the conversations that came out of those types of activities, but I feel like I did them as one-offs. And so I, oh, okay, I've got time. I'm going to slip this in, but then I'm going to go back to the curriculum and back to teaching how to do something and then having them do examples and the traditional way that a lot of us have done that. And so then this year, after doing your workshop this summer, What I've done is we already have spiraled our units. So my teammates and I, a couple of years ago, sat down and looked at the math curriculum and then we've spiraled all the outcomes so that we are kind of coming back to concepts throughout the year. And so what I've done this year that's different from previous years is at the beginning of each outcome, I'm doing a rich task or some sort of problem to launch into that new outcome. And so I'm trying to be really purposeful about not doing any pre-teaching and just giving them a scenario where I kind of, it allows me to see where they're at and it allows me to uncover the outcome that we're doing through that problem. So that's probably been the most intentional piece that I've done. And then I've also tried to incorporate a warm up in every one of my lessons. That is not a huge problem or a huge task, but just something to get them either having a math discussion or something just to get them thinking differently. Or that's where I've used math as visual or would you rather math or those types of things just to kind of hook them at the beginning of class. So I'd say those are my two biggest changes I've made this year so far. Yeah, some great changes and like taking the workshop and implementing those and using that to plan it out. I'm curious, like you mentioned that taking your experience with doing a three-act math task, and I think Kyle said this that I also echo, is that was like that for us, is that they were kind of like these one things you slip in and then you move on. I'm wondering a little bit if you could elaborate a little bit more on when you started spiraling, how did that help with that disconnect that you were saying that those one-offs had? So how the spiraling was helping with the disconnect? Sorry. I'm... You said that you were spiraling and that was a big thing for you in your planning this year. And you said you were putting the like an exploration or a task at the beginning of your, say, strands or spirals. I'm wondering, did that help with that one-off? Did it feel connected now? And how does that make you feel about your planning moving forward? Oh, yeah. I definitely feel like it's purposeful now, but I'm planning more purposefully. So when I look at the next outcome that we're going to tackle, the first thing that I do is I go and try to find some sort of problem or task for my students to dig into prior to starting that outcome. So that's just become a new way for me to plan and design what I'm doing. And so I do really feel like it's way more connected than it was previously. And it's allowing me through those tasks to start to consolidate that learning or start to pull out those strategies that students already have. And one thing, like just with teaching a split class, I was really worried this summer 
It's like, oh, I want to do all this great tasks, but how am I supposed to make them meet two outcomes at once? But what I've actually found, like now that we're a few months in, is that a lot of these tasks hit on numerous outcomes anyway. And so it's actually easier to do something as a whole class than it was previously. And uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of success for some of my students that maybe are not as strong in math. They have been finding ways to tackle these complex problems. And then even just watching my students support one another, my grade six is, oh, we learned something last year that I think can help us with this problem. So that's been really cool. Something that I didn't expect before I started doing these tasks at the beginning of my outcomes. I love it. And it's great to hear. That's like music to my ears when I hear teachers, like, first of all, you hit on the not pre-teaching. And when we say pre-teaching, of course, I know some people like look into it way too far, like what, you don't teach them anything. And it's like, no, no, no. But it's like, you're not setting them up with sort of the magic formula or steps in order to solve a problem. Like you're letting them actually problem solve. And what I feel the same way about problem-based tasks is when we select good tasks that have low floors, or if we design them such that they have a low floor, it's like you have some of your sixes that are probably working below grade five level. And some of your grade fives are working above grade five level, or maybe even above the grade six. Like, so having this opportunity for all students to engage and enter with the strategies and the models that they're bringing to the table and for you to be able to see the brilliance sort of come out. I'm so happy to hear that. Our next question was, how are the students responding? So you've sort of addressed that a little bit. I'm wondering, what about from like student perception of math or maybe even just like overall disposition? How do you see your students? Do you see a change there or do you feel like students are just kind of coming along for the ride? Did any students give you a hard time at first? Sometimes some students get a little anxious, right? When the teacher doesn't tell you what you're supposed to do and they're so used to us doing that. Like, what are your thoughts about how students have responded and how has that helped you? Or maybe how has that been difficult for you as you've been on this journey? Yeah, there were definitely some students that I got a bit of pushback from at the beginning. Just, and it's funny, I've heard you talk about this on your show before, but it's usually the students who math comes fairly easily to them. And so they're coming with like, I'm great at math. And then we've been doing these problems and they have to wrestle with them. And it's not as clear cut as they want it to be. And they want me to give them the answer and (laughs) I'm not willing to give them the answer. So I definitely have had a little bit of pushback there, but it honestly didn't take very long before I think even those students got on board. And what I'm loving seeing right now is just the willingness for my students to take risks. And I think it's most evident in some of my students that really struggle with math. It just warms my heart when I'm walking around the room and I see these kids that are maybe way below grade level that are just digging into these really complex tasks and they're contributing to their groups in a meaningful way. And their groups are responding with, oh, I never thought of that idea. Like just the confidence that I'm seeing in these kids and yeah, their risk-taking ability. I think that that has been a huge change for us. And I think what you're saying echoes what Kyle and I have experienced with our classes in making these changes and seeing that confidence in problem solving was one of the biggest for me to see my students who in the past you would do a problem with students or they would get to a problem and it didn't look like an example you had ever done in before. And all of a sudden kids would shut down and go, well, I'm skipping that because he didn't show me how to do that. 
And when we made these changes, these problems would come up and we didn't hear or see those excuses anymore. And it sounds like the confidence of problem solving is happening with your students as well, which is amazing to hear. I'm wondering, like you've talked about confidence with your students. I'm actually a little curious about your confidence as well in handling these situations. Like I know that when before I started making changes, I used to have, you'd have some classroom management issues every day and you'd go in a little bit like, I wonder what today's going to look like. And I used to feel like my confidence was a little shaky. And then I felt a little bit more confidence when I knew I was on the right track. I'm curious to see if your confidence has changed. Maybe you're less confident now because you're trying something new, but maybe you're more confident in other ways. I'm curious about your confidence as a teacher right now. I'd say... I'm more confident in just letting my students dive into these problems and not feeling like I have to control everything. As many teachers are, I'm a planner and I'm organized. And so sometimes it's a little bit hard to relinquish that control. But I think I'm getting a lot more confident in that. And I'm enjoying the conversation. I'm enjoying the, yeah, just experiencing the experience with my students. I love being surprised they come up with something that I didn't think about, like that's just such a wonderful thing. Maybe the area that I'm not as confident in yet is just still trying to figure out how to take their strategies and then consolidate that learning back into the grade five outcome and the grade six outcome. And I think, I don't know, even since the beginning of the year, I definitely feel like I've made some progress there, but that's something that I know that I still have a lot of work to do with. And it's great to hear, like, first, I want to back up when you had talked about students who may be working below grade level. It's almost like when you were saying how it brings, I think you said, it warms my heart when you see that their voice is being valued. And it's almost like I'm picturing like every student has an opportunity to be a hero for a moment, right? It's like, it's not the same student sort of saving the day at all times in math class. It's like, it's spreading out, which is so great. And This challenge that you're highlighting, I would say, is something that everybody will always continue to be working on, which is so important. And I think the more times we work with an idea in a problem-based way, like so when we deliver math in the way that you're doing and the way we're trying to advocate Mm -hmm. that we all teach is an opportunity for us to, again, be surprised by a student. So kind of accepting that. And then almost like working on that teacher move of like, what do I do when something truly surprises me? And I'm sort of like, not sure where it fits. And I think honesty sort of is one of the biggest, I would say, strategies that we can use is being honest with students when we are stumped. And I think that for me anyway, was a really hard thing initially, because I sort of came from this place of thinking, like, if I'm the math teacher, I should know all of this stuff, regardless of the grade level, whether it was grade 10 when I was teaching grade 10 or 12 or grade six, it's like, we're supposed to be these masters. And I think it's like helping and reminding ourselves that it's okay to maybe not know where something fits. And sometimes I even wonder about the opportunity when we're consolidating to like, let students sort of figure out like, where do you feel this goes? Like this solution that so-and-so did, is it like, do you see it kind of like this one over here? That's like maybe more symbolic or like this one, like kind of match this strategy over here, like this student use like this additive strategy where they were skip counting over it. Like, is it kind of like more like that? What do you think? Talk to your partners. I'm wondering 
when you're in that scenario, is there anything in particular where you feel like you are you hitting a wall there or what exactly is maybe throwing you off there or what's the concern that's kind of holding you up that you're working on there? Yeah, I think it's that I feel like I've made this great progress with the beginning of these little mini units, uh, these outcomes. And then when I go to do the consolidation, I find I kind of fall back into, okay, now we did this great thing. We had all these strategies and now I'm going to go back and just go back to my PowerPoint or go back to my examples on the board and then we're going to do practice. And so it's looking for how to transition in a more authentic way, as you described, having those students be the ones that then kind of start to consolidate their learning instead of me saying, okay, we did this and now I'm going to show you this, what I wanted you to learn or, or whatever. Hey there, Math Moment Makers. Are you a dedicated listener? Like I'm talking, have you been listening for a couple of months, maybe even a couple of years? Well, if you haven't taken a moment to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, it would mean so much to us. It'll take you under one minute uh, so that you can help more educators see and experience the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. Uh, do us this huge solid. Uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, here is today's episode. Explore this a little bit more in the sense of when you're designing these lessons from the start, I'm wondering, like, what is some of the first moves that you make? Because if we're going to focus on how that connection happens amongst kids' strategies, what would you say are you're doing at the very beginning before you walk into class with kids? Like, how does that planning look like for you when you decide, I'm going to do this lesson in this way? Could you just maybe paint us a picture of what that planning looks like early on? Sure. Yeah. So I always start with the outcome first. So looking at the Based on our the way that we spiral our curriculum, we run four different rotations. So number sense, number operations, patterns and relations, and shape and space. And so I'll look, okay, we're in number sense, and I'll look at the outcomes that we're doing for number sense for grade five and grade six. And then I usually go to look for a three-act math task or some sort of problem that they can dig into related to those outcomes. So I do feel like there's connection there, but I think the thing that I'm struggling with a little bit is just because of teaching two grades and the outcomes are different, then I have trouble kind of coming back around afterwards and then fitting them back into their grade levels and then helping to consolidate their understanding at their grade levels. And there's definitely strategies that come out that support both outcomes, but it just, I don't know, for me right now, it just feels a little bit disjointed. And I'm sure that after I do, like, this is the first year that I've made this really purposeful change. And I know that doing this again next year, I think I'll be tweaking things and I'll be doing things differently. And then after going through it again, I feel like those things might start to come together, but that's just an area where I feel like there's a little bit of yeah, disconnect right now. Yeah. And you know, what's popping into my mind is a couple things. So being kind of, well, a split is hard, as you mentioned, that is forever, <laughs> forever a challenge, right? When you get thrown into that situation, because even though five, six here in Ontario, five, six is better split than a six, seven, like we leave what we call the junior division and enter the intermediate division. So I'm not sure out in Alberta, if there's sort of like these like 
more friendly splits than and some maybe inconvenient splits, but we certainly have them here. So first of all, I want to like congratulate you that you've managed to kind of put a spiraled curriculum in place, like a spiraled long range plan in place, because that can be really challenging, especially when you're dealing with two things, the split, but then also a newer, let's say newer grade level. So if you're newer to that curriculum, that could be a real challenge. So you've kind of got that there. And then the second thing is sort of like, sometimes it takes a little time for us to sort of make sense of the big pictures, right? And that we call like the big ideas when we sort of zoom out. And this is something that I'm trying to, I really struggled doing this when I began this journey, but trying to like zoom out and trying to figure out like, okay, so what's the point? Like, what's the deal here? Like, why do I care? And why does the curriculum writer care about this concept that we're exploring in grade five and six? Like, how are they connected? How are they different? And then kind of thinking about like, what's like the big thing that I hope students kind of walk away with here? And I found for myself, you don't always land on something every single lesson right away, but even just starting that process and then trying to think of like, how should I deliver the question or how should I tweak the question in order to kind of like get us closer to sort of this emergence of this big idea. And that was something that I feel like it takes a long time and a lot of that intentionality, like you described earlier, in order to kind of draw out. So it's like what I'm thinking about, and then I also, I'm wondering as well, like beforehand, I think this might be where John was kind of going with his questioning around, kind of thinking about and almost like working with your teaching partner and trying to like anticipate and predict what will students do? And then from that, something else that I think is really important, like as we anticipate what students might do, if I come up with these different solutions, are they helpful to get me closer to this big idea? Or am I kind of going down a different road? And then it almost makes you kind of pump the brakes a little bit and go, wait a second, is this where I'm actually hoping we're going to head? Or are we going to do some fun math and it's great and all, but we haven't gotten closer to that big idea. So I said a lot there. I wonder what are your thoughts on that? And does it help you? Does it overwhelm you with everything I just said? Or does it give you like maybe some ideas on how you might be able to get, because that word disjointed, we talk about it, it comes up a lot on the podcast. And I feel like it's in this part of the lesson where things can happen. You can be like, okay, well, we got some solutions, but what did we actually take away? Like, what do we actually walk away with here? So like, what are your thoughts on that? Is anything there that you feel like might be something worth digging into a little bit more and kind of spending a little time on? Yeah, I love your thought about the big ideas because I do feel like every time we're doing one of these tasks, we are getting to big ideas. And so maybe part of it is a bit of me letting go of like, okay, this doesn't match this outcome perfectly. However, it is setting them up for that type of thinking, or it is setting them up to start to uncover some of these strategies. So maybe it's a bit of like, okay, it's okay to not have everything attached to one specific thing. It is okay that a lot of these tasks are going to get them feeling more confident in the big ideas in math that are important and can be applied to a variety of outcomes and a variety of strands. So I... Do you think that that's a helpful way to look at things for, for sure? 
Right. And I think can be helpful as well to like what Kyle said with this big idea in mind is to also think about at the beginning of that planning session on going, okay, what do I want my students to know? What do I want my students to understand? But I also, what do I want my students to be able to do? And sometimes putting that down, it's like your success criteria, right? It's like, I want my kids to get here. And this is the lesson that I'm choosing. And by like what Kyle was saying is sometimes when you anticipate the different strategies that might come out in this particular three-act math task or a problem-based lesson that you found or someone passed around. And when you do those, Kyle had a good point that sometimes you think this is a task on whatever topic you're looking at. But then when you do the strategies on that particular task, it might not lead you in the direction that you want your students to know, understand, and do. So it's like, well, maybe that task isn't the best for this bit. And I might have to choose something else to fit that or design something else to fit that. I think knowing that at the start and knowing exactly where you want your kids to be at the end can be a helpful, like knowing precisely where you want that to happen is that for me to go, okay, we're in the middle of this. I see strategies here, here, and here. I want to get over here. This is my goal. And maybe sometimes we think, oh, it's too disconnected. I can't make it happen. But I think for me in my class, if I'm, maybe I chose a problem that brought us in lots of different places, but we never got close to where we needed to go. For me, because of timing, this is where I might be like, okay, I wanted my lesson goal needs to be this. This is where we're going to go. Okay, I'm going to make it clear that this strategy is doing that. Or I might have to be like, hey, guys, we got a really great strategies here. I'm going to model a strategy or I'm going to show the strategy that can help out here. And the nice part about what they've already done and what I find is students will see their numbers. They will see their strategies. This is where you get more experience is you'll start to see, okay, I didn't anticipate that kid's strategy. I'm doing my strategy, but then all of a sudden some light bulbs will go on and go, oh, that's what they were doing. It does kind of show some, it's resembling somewhere here and you can make that connection by calling it out explicitly. So I find that when you make sure that you know where you need to go and you get there yourself because you're directing it at the end, then with time and practice of doing that, you get more experience going like where those connections can happen. And it's okay if it doesn't cut, like sometimes it's like, you're kind of like not sure in that moment and that's okay too. And it's sometimes you have to think on it. And so today you might take this and kind of consolidate and kind of take one student solution instead of three student solutions and kind of work from that to get you a little closer. Like it's almost like everything is using your professional judgment in the moment. And it's like the more, like we talk about in the online workshop, it's like the more colleagues I can plan this with, I know not all of us are blessed to have a bunch of teaching partners or maybe teaching partners that are in the same place as you are in terms of where you want to go with the curriculum. But the more people you can bring into that conversation, I think it's like the more dots align for yourself And it helps you. And sometimes all it takes is like this gap between like this solution and that solution. There's like this void here. And it's like, there's something going on there, but I'm not exactly sure what it is yet. And it's like in time and with collaboration with our colleagues, we can sort of like make sense of that. And that to me is like that content knowledge piece that we all will 
continually be working on. Like Marilyn Burns would say, as you would know from spending some time in learning with her, she's been teaching for many years and she is still learning new ways and new strategies and like in-betweens that she never realized was there because like a student helps you land on it. So while there's a little bit of this maybe discomfort at first, I mean, to me, that's part of the excitement now is like, now I'm like, I learned something or like there's this mystery that I have to figure out. And maybe I send it to a colleague at a different school or out to the internet or the math moment maker group on Facebook or whatever your community is, but making sure that you look at those opportunities as a way for you to grow. And I know you're going to continue to grow. Just having this conversation, being able to learn alongside you in the online workshop, it was fantastic. So before we let you go here today, The question we have for you is, is there any takeaway, big takeaway from some of your learning over the duration of that online workshop that you would leave with the listeners, like something that maybe really stuck with you and that you used to plan forward in your own teaching practice? I think the biggest piece for me is just helping facilitate my students kind of uncover the math for themselves. Just taking a step back and letting them show what they know through these different tasks. And I honestly think that's the biggest piece for me because I always felt like I had to teach them this strategy and I have to teach them this algorithm and give them this formula because otherwise they won't be able to solve the problem. Well, that's actually not the case. (laughs) They actually have a lot of background knowledge and creativity that they can apply to these problems. And so that to me is for sure the biggest takeaway and something that I know I've started really being purposeful about that this year, but I don't think I'll ever go back to teaching math in a way where I felt like I had to be the one that knew everything from the start. And I was giving that information to the students, letting them kind of uncover some of that for themselves. I think that there's so much value in that. Yeah, that's a great takeaway for everyone to think about and see if they are doing that in their class. This is like, let's just get out of the way and let kids show us what they can show us before we step in and guide some thinking along the way. Janelle, this has been a great conversation. We can't thank you enough for joining us here on uh, this episode. And we are so excited for you to keep learning and keep applying some of the techniques you've been learning over this last year. Hey, what would you say to us checking in with you in like six months, 12 months down the road and see how things are going? Sure. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm doing your transforming the textbook sessions right now. And so that's kind of my new piece that I've been integrating. So yeah, I definitely feel like I'm always learning and would love to check back later. I love it. Well, thanks so much. And we talk about transforming in the online workshop, but just like everything, it's like being able to come at it from different angles and trying it a year later or months later and just constantly coming back and reflecting. That's truly what is going to continue helping you shape into that awesome math moment maker that you are. And I know your students are appreciative of your work. Know that John and I are both appreciative on behalf of the math community for all the hard work that you're doing. It was an awesome pleasure having you here tonight. And we look forward to checking in with you on the podcast. Uh, Like John said, hopefully in somewhere from that half a year to a year from now, see where you're at and we'll catch up and see if we can dig a little deeper. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for 
all of the support you guys have provided through your resources and the workshops. It's exciting to be a math educator right now. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks. As always, John and I both learn so much from every episode of the podcast, but none are as special as opportunities when we get to chat with teachers who are undergoing that transformation. And you heard it from Janelle, John and I both reminiscing about many of the same struggles we were having in our own classrooms around engagement, around some of the hangups that continue to happen as we continue to teach and dive into concepts that maybe we fully don't understand understand the complete progression. Hopefully you at home got some great ideas here today. I know that I have some new ideas to think on. I'm hoping that John and Janelle are walking away thinking about how this conversation might impact their next steps. As always, Kyle. And what we want to encourage you is to how can you consolidate your learning right now? Where are you going so that the ideas that you've heard here don't wash away like those footprints in the sand that we often talk about here at the end of our episodes? You got to reflect on what you've learned so it will stick. And a great way to hold yourself accountable is to write it down or share it with someone, your partner. Share it with us at the Math Maker community. Go to the Facebook and join us in our private Facebook group, Math Makers K-12, or connect with us on social media at Make Math Moments, Instagram and Twitter, all those things. Awesome stuff, my friend. Hey, listen, if you want to keep on hearing some of these Math Mentoring Moment episodes, we're going to need to hear from you, friends. Let us know, what are you working on? One thing, John, we've had many people reach out to us through email before using makemathmoments.com forward slash mentor to submit a mentoring moment idea. And oftentimes they're always saying like, yeah, you know, but I'm not sure if my pebble in the shoe is just like something I'm having a struggle with. Trust me, my friends. There are educators out there struggling with all aspects and we want to hear from you and I know they want to hear from you too. So take a moment, pause, hit that makemathmoments.com forward slash mentor. It'll bring you straight to a quick little form with your name, a couple sentences about what you're currently working on or what that pebble in your shoe currently is. And we'd love to bring you on so we can have a great conversation and we can all learn and work towards a solution together. Yeah, can't wait. Make sure you head to makemathmoments.com forward slash mentor and we'll chat soon. Also, in order to ensure you don't miss out on next week's episode or any of the episodes that are coming up, be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Which one is it? I'm not sure. I'm liking Spotify. Kyle, I think he's listening to Apple, but wherever you are, make sure you subscribe. Also, maybe you're watching us right now on YouTube because we're on YouTube as well. Get over there, hit the subscribe and the bell so you know when our episodes come out over there as well. Awesome. All resources that were mentioned in this episode and all of our episodes can be found on the show notes pages, which can be found over on our website, makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 170. You're going to find complete transcripts. You can read them from the web. You can download them. You can click on some of the resources shared today, like math is visual or would you rather math? Or we talked about Marilyn Burns. So we've got the link to the Marilyn Burns episode when she was up on the podcast. So head on over makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 170. And my friends, hopefully we'll see you on a math mentoring moment episode sometime soon. 
Well, until next time, my math moment maker friends, I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And a high five for you. If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind. And plans only go so far. You can make you know detailed plans and, and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable. But that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work. Working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job. How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? If you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training uh, an accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the, math, the Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle, walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook after completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.